Bitter blow the winter winds that spread the snow in layers thin. Atop the mounds, but deep within, there can be found her hoof-shaped prints. Red drops of death escorted her past several rabbit skins and furs. A camp where hunters once bantered and reveled. Red drops now fall from the antlers of the devil. Yes, we have another night of terror ahead. But first, let me share with you another exciting, otherworldly adventure from the Time to Die Radio Network. It's called Odyssey. It's a wild adventure that takes place in the distant future, the 1980s. Or at least that's where it all began, as three musicians are chased off of planet Earth during a sort of alien attack. And over the next few years, they form a band called the Aldrins, becoming intergalactic sensations. Well, this tale picks up 20 years later, after the band had a falling out. Their paths cross again with an unpleasant reunion, and they're hurled into another wild and fast-paced adventure. Yes, friend, Odyssey is a fun tale for the whole family. Mothers will appreciate the violence and heavy drug use. Kids will enjoy learning new crude language. And everyone will appreciate the original music and songs between episodes. Find Odyssey wherever you get your Time to Die shows. story. Dart, Elliot, and Ronnie relayed their eyewitness accounts of the Palm Lounge's shattered windows to the local authorities. After Vandermeek got done squeezing his organ, I started hollering her last call. But not before the three of us, that's Vandermeek, Frosty, and myself, had a bit of a something-something. Before you know it, there was just the three of us gabbing at the bar when the door blew open. We told it to button its lip, but then it did it again, and the glass broke. <laughs> Frosty thought it was a spook. <laughs> I think it was a something. Ronnie drove Elliot into town, and they stopped for a burger next door to where Elliot had originally intended to be staying. At the table, they bumped into Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. You know, there's a dame in town that talks about spooks a lot. And who might that be? Some kind of doctor. At least she calls herself that. I didn't know there could be women doctors, but apparently she studies things like... Ghosts and goblins? I don't know. The door literally swings open as you're saying that, Ronnie, and you look over and you see Dr. Greenbank walking into the place. Speak of the doctor. There were sounds of footsteps coming from the outside, and then there were these handprints that appeared on the glass of the door and worked their way up towards the ceiling. And then, all of a sudden, the glass bursts. Encounters with the paranormal are always frightening. Ooh, this is, this is, this is good stuff. <sighs> Meanwhile, Dart visited the general manager of the Four Seasons Resort, and something mysterious happened. Oh, there's no question about it. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna knock him dead, baby, I'm telling you. There's no problem there. And he starts, like, running through long, quick platitudes with you. And the big bay window directly behind his desk, as he's speaking, begins to frost up. And you watch as these small handprints begin to crawl and cover them slowly and it gets to maybe three quarters of the way. Saul turns around and as soon as he spins, the window looks incredibly normal to you and you assume to him because he then turns back around and looks at you like, uh... Let's return and see what else is going on in our tale of the devil's antlers.
So, uh, before we head back to the hotel, um, I just need to get some a few things straight here before we take off. Okay, hon, take your time. And, uh, yeah, I'll kind of, um, get out of my seat and collect my things, and, uh, I'm guessing we've already paid our bill. Yeah, sure, fuck it. Um, I'm assuming Jan will probably see me, uh, step outside and start to head towards the, uh, the boarding house. Yeah, she'll, uh, she'll bustle up from, uh, behind the bar. She's been just kind of cleaning some things. There's a sink back there that she's doing some dishes and whatnot, and, um, She'll uh, grab a key off of the giant board that's uh, behind the bar, um, and all of the keys are numbered, and uh, she grabs number seven and uh, rushes after you. All right. And then she'll uh, take you next door, um, and the front door is open, and there are, like, long hallways, and at either end there are... um, stairwells that have landings after you get, you know, to each floor, and you can sort of, like, and, uh, she says, uh, okay, so, uh, Seven's gonna be up on, uh, um, third floor, uh, do you need any help getting up there, or you think you'll be able to find it on your own? Um, no, uh, no, thank you, um, here, I, I have, uh, uh, I'm gonna take my suitcase and place it on the the desk and flip it open and I'm gonna take out that um that vanilla envelope with the cash in it and hand it over to her. I believe this is what we agreed upon. Oh thank you so much. Uh you know uh if you need anything or anything like that, uh you know, trying to find any toiletries or the like, just come and give me a ringle. Got no problem with helping you out. Uh thank you very much. I I noticed some goods in the, the other store there. I I'll probably be coming by later to procure some things. Yeah, you'd look mighty good in a raccoon skin hat. Maybe you should think about getting one. Anyway, toodaloo. And she'll uh, head out. Um, she, Because she had followed you next door, and so you guys yeah. are just kind of in the hallway at this point, and so you would uh, you would make <laughs> your way up. Yeah, I'm going to go up the steps and um, take my suitcase in there and, you know, just take the things that I actually need. I, I am going to make sure, like, uh, to look around. Is there a typewriter in there? Um, so one of the things that you'll notice is that there are, uh, there are three rooms on every floor, um, except for the first floor, which you assume um, they must have a room reserved or something like that, because there's a room, but it doesn't have a number on it, and then you have one and two, and then, you know what I mean, on, so on and so forth. And so your room would be... Uh, would be the middle one in uh, on the third floor, and there is not a typewriter in it. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to place my suitcase on the bed. Notice that there's uh, an empty desk up there by the window, and I'm going to let out a long sigh. <sighs> okay. And I'm going to... Uh, lock the room back up and start to head back down and head back uh, towards the towards the trading post. All right. <clears throat> While he was gone, Ronnie would have broken the awkward silence with, uh, so, how are the spooks? Eh, the spooks are, um, elusive, as they always are, but, boy, howdy, they just don't want to be found. How about those two girls? Oh, I know. It's just awful. I feel so bad. I mean... I got a theory that might interest you. All right. I'm interested. A bear. That's... Yes, that's a very possible theory. Admittedly, I was hoping for something a little bit more exciting. A bear with a gun. I don't think that's physically possible. And I thought that out of everybody in town, you might be the one to believe me. I usually would be, but bear's paws are not structured to hold guns. It could be some kind of animal that is a bear-ish holding a gun. You ever heard of a jackalope? Yes, I have heard of a jackalope. The craziest thing, it's a bunny that's got these antlers. Why can't a bear have opposable thumbs? Maybe it's got people hands. 
Okay, do you have evidence as to this? That's all just a work in theory. But I thought that maybe as we go, we can put this as kind of a side project to investigate alongside of our exploding doors and things. Of course, of course. You know, open minds, that's kind of what I do. How'd you like the coffee here? It was, it was decent. I had coffee with the priest before this, so it's, it's a... I want you to be completely honest with me. You can't hurt my feelings. Okay. How does the coffee here compare to the Four Seasons? I mean, last time I was there, it was pretty good coffee and very good jazz. Well, we still got both if you ever want to stop by. Oh, of course. I was planning on it. So I wonder what's keeping him. I don't know. It's probably some kind of... Well, you know. You know me. You know academics. We all have our hang-ups. I'm sure they don't have, like, ink and paper in his desk or something. <laughs> At this point, you would have seen me just uh, walk back in, and instead of going to our table, I'm going towards the uh, the sort of shop part, and I immediately, like, go to several of the shelves. Yep, it's one of those academic hang-ups. Jan kind of bustles behind you, Elliot, and uh, she says, So is uh, everything to your liking? I believe that we had in our arrangement that there would be a typewriter in the room, and uh, I didn't notice one in there. Oh, you know, I do remember that now that uh, you say something. Um, here's what I can do. I can have uh, Tom bring you uh, a typewriter up there, or if you want, I can go and fetch it, and you can carry it up yourself. Well, if it's no bother, uh, maybe I can grab some things down here and he can run them all up at the, the same time at his uh, convenience. I and Dr. Greenbank have uh, some things to do um, for a little while. I'll be back uh, later on tonight. I just wanted to get a few things before we left. Here's the thing, young man, that I think you're probably not going to understand unless I say it, and so... With all due respect, this is not a hotel, okay? There's no sort of, like, concierge. It's just me and Tom, okay? So maybe bring your own stuff up to your room. Noted. Um, I'd still like to get the things. Uh, 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 books, and then I kind of point towards uh, some shelves that have a couple of books, and I quickly, like, just pour through them looking for anything that's just not completely out of like my interest and uh, I'll pull out uh, several science fiction books um, The Demolished Man by Alfred Bester and uh, several Philip K. Dick short stories and um, I'm gonna peruse around and kind of just pick stuff up put it back and then I find um, Magic in Theory and Practice by Aleister Crowley and I'm gonna get that as well then uh, Sewing Kit and he's going to take a quick glance outside. And is the school visible from, from the trading post? The school is not visible from the trading post. Uh, go ahead and roll me intelligence. All right. All right. And that is a seven. And the intelligence set, yeah, way under. So, yeah, I pass. So you would know that... Uh, that Beecher, Dunbar, and Pembine all have to combine their school, and so it's a little bit further out to kind of accommodate the people that are uh, either having to bus their kids in or drive them. So, yeah, I guess um, even without uh, seeing the school, um, something, you know, triggers a thought in my mind that um, I should probably get something for, uh, for Hamlet and... Um, I quickly sort of look around and, you know, it's just a, a small town good shop and everything. And so I'm like seeing nothing. And uh, I look up and behind the, the counter, there's a toboggan hanging on the wall. And um, I say, uh, I think I'll actually take that, too. I mean, it's kind of a decoration, you know, um, 10 bucks, 10 bucks will do her. And, yeah, I uh, total everything up and then uh, hand the money across. Um, yeah, she will take it and um, put it into the large old brass cash register and then shove it shut. And then after a little while, Tom will come out with 
and he's this big, burly, mustachioed man, completely bald on top. Um, and he kind of keeps, you know, longer hair on the sides, and, you know, he tries to keep it neatly coiffed, but he honestly looks kind of ridiculous. But uh, then he puts, uh, <laughs> he puts this, like, enormous typewriter onto the, uh, onto the bar, and it is old. <laughs> like, Elliot, this thing really might be older than you are. All right. But, um, I mean, it seems like it'll do, you know, and, uh, he provides you with some paper and some ink ribbons, and, yeah, you, uh, you're pretty well good to go. All right, cool. Yeah, like, I quickly sort of fiddle with it and make sure everything, like, you know, is moved, that can move and is oiled and all that kind of stuff, and, and I say, uh, yeah, this is satisfactory. Uh, thank you, Tom. I think while all that's going on, uh, Ronnie is still theorizing about the possibility of bears with guns because he just doesn't have <laughs> a whole lot of topics to discuss with uh, the considerably more intelligent Dr. Greenbank. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine for this animal to come <laughs> shoot this gun. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I really do see where you're coming from. Let's add this to the docket, okay? Yeah, all right. I'll look up bears with guns when I get back to Marinette at my office. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. I will. I will. Just prepare yourself for disappointment. First rule of academia, you never count on what you can't see with your own two eyes. That's not actually the first rule of academia. I think that's like somewhere down in the 20s, but that's... The principle remains the same. Yeah, I hear her say this as I'm walking back up after dealing with all that stuff. And I say, um, well, in, in my field, it's quite the contrary. Uh, very little of what we can see has anything to do with what can be derived. Hey, what's the haps, Frosty? Hey, you got some sort of side investigation going on here at the post? Uh, it, the investigation is closed. Thank you. We can make our way to the, to the Four Seasons. You're leaving, aren't you? You turn traitor. It's the coffee. I know it's the coffee. You don't gotta tell me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm gonna miss you, Frosty. I don't think he's going anywhere except with us right now, hun. He was getting his bicycle. He wanted to ride into town. I just don't think he ever had plans to stay at the Four Seasons. Uh, no, I'm not staying at the Four Seasons. One night was enough. You know, I don't mean to impose or anything. I mean, I don't want to be forward, but you could come stay with me. I got plenty of room. I just stare at you blankly <laughs> for an uncomfortable <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, um, no, I think I'll be all right. Suit yourself. How about you? I'll look at Dr. Greenbank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I was actually planning on staying at the Four Seasons. I finally got my son-in-law to sign off on a checking account, so... Well, ain't that a prize in the Cracker Jacks. We just had a room open. Interesting. That's yeah, Frosty's room. I wouldn't go up there until it gets clean. <laughs> I don't know. You don't seem like the type to leave a room messy. Uh, no, I... There's just a lot of dust in it. Look at him. <laughs> I do one of those blank stares again. <laughs> Guy like him? His books are probably dustier than a bar shelf during Prohibition. Oh boy. You Actually, don't... many of my books are quite new. Um, we're at the, the breaking cusp of scientific advancement. Um, it's actually very fascinating. If you were going to look at between the two of us, which one of us deals with older stuff, you're probably looking at the one of us that is the older stuff. Fair point, that's a fair point. So how about it? We ready to cut out? Hit the road? Give the doc a chance to gab with Dartan, the music man? I think we should. I'm very interested in asking him for a little bit more information. So yeah, you make your way into the hotel. Uh, where are you currently, Dart? Um, it's probably... like, noon? Like, maybe 12.30? Uh, Dart would be sitting in the lounge, 
Palm Lounge, uh, just chain smoking at one of the tables. He's he's probably like lighting up one cigarette as they're walking in, and he still has one in his uh, free hand. <laughs> and he'll he'll see them and uh, kind of like jump up as he sees them. And, oh hey, oh hey guys, uh, Elliot didn't expect to see you back here so soon, hey? Hi, Evander Meek. He's not here for long. Better enjoy him while he lasts. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's a weird way of putting it. Yeah, afternoon, afternoon, and uh, top of the afternoon to you as well, uh, Queenie. I don't think we've met before. Dart Vandermeek, the Danish Dart. I'm Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. Pleasure to meet you, Dr. Dorothy. <sighs> so, what uh, brings you lot back here? So, evening-wise, pre-evening-wise? Well... We were at the Beaver Trading Post, and I just happened to be in town to investigate some goings-on. I'm a cryptozoologist with the University of Wisconsin Marinette, and uh, Mr. Holloway and Mr. Pinkerton here told me about... I'm sorry, is it Dr. Holloway or Mr.? Uh, still Mr. I'm working on a doctorate. Mr. Holloway and Mr. Pinkerton told me about an incident in the lounge last night. Oh yeah, uh, darndest thing there. Uh, actually, uh, there's been a bit more goings on, too. Uh, come on, sit down, sit down. Uh, Edgar, why don't you go grab us some drinks, eh? Sure thing. Green Bank, coffee. Uh, you gotta be honest with me. Sure, I'll have my third cup of coffee today. Yeah, sure. Sure, hon, <laughs> thank you. She, uh, she'll go back into that, like, little Grace Kelly handbag that she has and take out the stenographer's pad and a pen. And she's like, so, from beginning to end... Please, thank you. Well, uh, I mean, if you've already gotten Elliot's side, you've got most of mine. I was, you know, it was a normal night having a smash sesh, and then, uh, you know, folks had cleared out. Band was just, uh, finishing up. I think they were packing up, heading out. I went to grab a drink, met up with Elliot here at the bar, and, uh, yeah, the doors blew open a couple times, and the second time we ran over and closed it, and... You want these neater on the rocks? Uh, yeah, that'll be great, Edgar. Thanks. <laughs> um, I, I shoot Elliot a look. Uh, I mean, how much did you tell her? You, you, you give her the full rundown? I don't know. He did. Oh, uh, yes, the, the hands, yeah, okay. glass. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I light up another cigarette. <clears throat> yeah, so... It looked like the glass kind of almost like fogged over and there were these handprints in it. Uh, and I, it, it looked like it was, uh, you know, kind of climbing up the glass and then when it got to the top, the whole, the whole glass shattered. Uh, uh, that, that, was, that was pretty much it. We kind lemon? of kerfuffled out of there. Squeeze a lemon? Um, no, nobody, no lemon? Uh, yeah, that'd be great, Edgar. Yep. Tons of it, please, in the coffee. That'd be wonderful. I'm not getting you the coffee. You want a coffee? Whatever you think, bud. You're the expert. Uh, so, so I went, I went up, uh, this morning. Uh, well, I mean, I'm kind of skipping over the part where we talked to the police. Stayed in- Wait, 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 wait. You got the police involved? Well, yeah, the hotel's glass busted up. But you got some sort of problem with the police there, Dr. Greenbank? All the police do is chase away the real problems. That's what they do. So you said handprints on glass that exploded. Did the glass explode inward or outward? Or did you not notice? Inward. Inward, like you said. Okay, so something was trying to either get in or let something in. Oh, I wish I had time to go to medicine. I could use a Geiger counter. Anyway, um... You ever heard of cracking a raw egg and orange juice? Damnest thing I ever heard of. Uh, whatever you think, hon. And you mentioned there were some other goings on earlier today? Of the same kind? Or of a different kind? Well, this morning I went up to, to talk to uh, old Saul, uh, Mr. Fields. To, he runs this place. Just, you know, making sure everything was still on for tonight. Make sure the show is good and... You know, I'm sitting there in his office, and behind him, from his window, I, I thought I saw more, uh, 
handprints crawling their way up his window. And, uh, you know, I, I, I freaked out a little bit. I uh, pointed it out to him, but when, you know, he turned, they were gone and he didn't see anything. So, you know, I, ju I just got out of there real quick and I came down here and just been uh, relaxing, you know, getting my nerves back under me and whatnot. Or trying to relax, as the case may be. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. 100% relaxed now. Cool hmm. as a cucumber. Your chain smoking in the empty packs next to you are those one, two, yep, three. Uh, say a little bit otherwise, but you know what? Who am I to deride others' coping mechanisms? There we are. Brown for you, brown for you. That's a neat whiskey with a garnish on the side and a slice of lemon. And here's your coffee. Don't forget now. Think about what you had back at the post and then just try to compare the two in your mind. And then here's a orange juice with cracked egg in it in case anybody wants to try it. I've never tried it myself, but if you want to be a guinea pig. I built a career out of challenging God. I might as well try it again. You ever use guinea pigs as guinea pigs over there, Frosty, when you're doing your uh, experiments in the land of tea and biscuits? The scientific endeavors that we were embarking on didn't really involve uh, biological experimentation. Oh, I forgot to get myself a drink. I'll be right back. I'm sure you can have that one with the egg. <laughs> <laughs> and this Saul person is the manager of the Four Seasons? Yeah, uh, Solomon Fields. Uh, I could I could introduce him if Tim to you, to you, to him, to if you wanted, you know? I would very much, just to make my presence known. Yeah, I, I'm sure he's be fine with you. Uh, kind of poking around here. Anyway, you know, uh, figure out who or what broke his, you know, mm -hmm. broke his doors. Sherry sure won't mind that. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. And she'll, like, she shuts her notebook and she'll take a sip of coffee and she's just like, it's this, like, it's that weird, like, oh, it's a little worse than the Trading Post coffee, but she doesn't want to hurt his feelings. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's like, oh, it's <clears throat> really good. Uh, there we are. Hey, Vandemeek, you got anything left in one of those packs or you suck the life out of them? What? No, yeah, sure. Uh, here. I'll, uh, toss the pack to him and put out two of the cigarettes I have in the, um, orange juice and egg cup. As, uh, Ronnie starts to go and light one up, I'm going to take a pipe out of my, um, jacket pocket and, um, put some tobacco in there and light it up too. You're too young to be this much of a stereotypical academic yet. This is too much. Their ways grow on you pretty quick. So how are you two making out? And I gesture to the green bank and her coffee. It's, um, very good. It's great. You hate it, don't you? No, 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 I don't hate it. Nah, it's written all over your face. There's coffee all over your face, and it's not good coffee. No! Maybe I should put an egg in it. No, it's fine. It's really fine. Thank you, I appreciate the gesture. You gotta be honest with me. You can't hurt my feelings. I am being honest. I'm losing customers over this. I already lost Elliot. He's moving away. Look, look, look. There's an easy way to fix whatever's wrong with the coffee, okay? I'll, I'll take the coffee from Dr. Greenbank and dump the whiskey into it and start <laughs> sipping that it. Right as rain, good as gold. Yep, perfect. I don't drink on the job, but thank you. Uh, well, it, I mean, that's fine. You weren't going to drink the rest of this coffee anyway, were you? I I was going to. I'll get you another. No, honey, that's really not necessary. Oh, uh, uh, that's right. <laughs> I don't mind. I can grab it. I I still got half a pot back there. Sure, dar sure hon. So uh, what do you guys find out? Are we going to go on a big sort of uh, monster hunt or what? Well, well, there's some planning involved in monster hunts before you actually go on one. I'd like to meet the Solomon fellow and see if there's been anything that's not really, um, aside from the aside from the glass, if there's been any other events here lately. If this, and then if we're looking at monsters, we want to rule out other types of paranormal things first. So I'm going to ask him if anybody's ever died here, things like that. Solomon, who? Solomon Grundy. Solomon Fields, the man who owns the Four Seasons. Oh, sure, sure. I'm about the big man. Yeah, I would like to meet him before I really decide to launch any sort of investigation. Yeah, he doesn't come around the bar too much. Can't say why. 
Maybe if you had better coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Vandermeek, I've had it up to here. You take one more crack at my coffee, I'm gonna blow my top. Blow, oh, he's gonna blow his top. I'm terrified. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's just between us. We're friends. I don't think he said that he was too busy today. I mean... Yes, perhaps you should take Dr. Dorothy up there to meet with Solomon. Um, I can get Ronnie to take me to wherever the um, the broken glass would probably be at this point. I'm sure as a bartender, you know where the trash is kept around here. Oh, oh! try to avoid touching it if at all possible. If there's still fingerprints on it, I'm going to want to look at it. And I don't have the equipment with me to... Well, I do have... Do I have a magnifying glass? No, I don't have my magnifying glass. But it's to rule out your fingerprints... Try to avoid touching them. Actually, here. And she'll uh, go back into her handbag and pull out, like, a pair of, like, 50s, like, kid gloves. Like, women's gloves. I mean, we were already... We were we were already touching the, the glass, you know, when we were trying to push the door shut. You know, I don't know that we can really... No, no. She's right. Caution on your paws with broken glass. As a bartender, I've seen a thing or two. It's also the middle of January, so I think everybody would probably have, you know some sort of like mittens or gloves or something like that you know what i mean like it's it's fucking cold out i take a look at her gloves compared to my hands and i'm like um i kind of hand them back to her i'm like we'll be careful they're like white lamb skin with like pearls on the hem or something (laughs) 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 that's a nice pair of gloves though right just saying she's a classy lady um anywho you start to lead dr greenbank through the hotel you guys go through the lobby and you make your way up to the second floor um you notice that Saul's office door is open again and so you walk up and you kind of knock on the door and he says one second one second and then you hear him put down the receiver of a phone and uh he says come on in baby all right uh I'll enter and uh kind of gesture for Dr. Greenback to follow and say Howdy ho there, Saul. How you doing? Hope I'm not interrupting anything. Cat's meow right here, just doing a bit of business and shooting the old shade, if you know what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, who's this bird? Uh, this right here is, uh, Miss Dorothy Greenbank. She said she was from the college of... Yes, I'm Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. I'm a professor of cryptozoology at the uh, University of Wisconsin, Marinette. Well, butter my biscuits. Yeah, um, she said she's, uh, just wants to do a bit of poking around with the, you know, trying to figure out what all happened with that, that door that broke, you know. She wanted to meet with you, make sure it'd be okay to be just kind of wandering around, you know. I mean, are you planning on staying at the Four Seasons? Yes, I am. Well, as a guest, you have free reign of the round, so feel free to do as you wish. Thank you very much. I just wanted to make my presence known before I started poking around at anything. Well, and if I see anything weird, I'll make sure to let you know. But I'm kind of working with a theory that it's probably some kids or something of the like, because, well, it's pretty boring up here. Well, you know, any investigation that I launch is going to rule out practical things first. Well, all right, if you need anything from me, please don't hesitate to let me know. I will. Thank you very much. And I guess we will cut over to Elliot and Ronnie. Um, you would be, I think, heading around back to um, this kind of, like, large dumpster area. There's probably a bunch of them, um, just considering the size of this resort and the amount of things that are going on here on a regular basis. So, I mean, like, when you would get back there, you would realize, like, oh, shit. This is a daunting task. Like, this is this is not just, like, searching through, you know, a couple of cans of, uh, you know, like, one family's trash. Like, this is an entire resort. And, yeah, it might be somewhere near the top, but that still doesn't change the fact that there's, like, six of these dumpsters that you have to go through at this point. All right, Frosty. In a last-ditch effort to try and change your mind, I've decided to upgrade you to the Grand Suite. What do you think? Um, that won't be necessary. I've, my arrangements have already been made. Oh, are you sure? We got plenty of, uh, let's see, we got plenty of, uh, food in here. 
I opened one dumpster. We got some, uh, oh, some towels. We got plenty of towels. Your place throws away towels <laughs> instead of watching them. You don't want to know what goes on in the rooms. I don't ask. I just mind my business. Apparently at this <laughs> crooked hotel, they launder everything but the actual laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Where on God's green earth do we start? Um, statistically, it shouldn't matter as long as we systematically comb through these each one by one find it eventually. Alright, you better start with the towels. Uh, glass I don't think would be thrown away with the same, in the same sort of bin as, uh, as towels. I think we should search for things that would probably come from the bar area. Probably this one over here. Why don't you guys roll me wisdom check? Alright, rolling. Here's <laughs> my gigantic chicken die. Alright, that's a six on the die, and my wisdom is a five, so I fail. I fail. So, y'all dig through a bunch of these dumpsters at this point. I think that you've probably ruled out three of them, and you're kind of dirty and cold and stinky, because, like, there have definitely been a few times where you've, like, went to go and grab something, and, um like a bag will burst open and something with the liquid will inside of it will then start to leak out and you're like, oh, just the entire thing is just awful because it's not quite cold enough for everything to, you know, freeze quickly. So it's just this gross slush of um, garbage juice that's just kind of spilling all over you guys. And uh, it's probably been a little while. Um, Dr. Greenbank and Dart. So I think you guys are making your way out back and you see that Elliot and Ronnie are, you know, digging through stuff and like trying to comb through garbage and they just look filthy at this point. And they don't seem to have turned up much because they just have a bunch of different separated piles of trash and yeah, it doesn't appear to be going well. See, I think I found something. He's said that several times. I wouldn't put too much stake in it. Look at this. Vintage 1920. I thought I kept this, but must have thought it was trash. I'm gonna put this on my mantelpiece. Oh, you think 1920 is vintage? Okay. Um, alright. So you guys have been just digging at random, or...? We've already covered this bin, this bin, and we're on this one right now. Hey, we haven't touched the towels. I've just been sorting the towels off to the side. You, you'd be able to hear glass clinking in whichever bag it was in. He's right. You don't have to open up every one. Oh, I wish you'd have told me that when have we got- Have you been opening up every one? I was wondering how you're getting done so fast. Have you been going through every bag individually? I'm a thorough investigator. It's very apparent that Roddy absolutely has been doing that. <laughs> Oh, darling. Um, hmm. Let's, uh... Hey, look, I found a letter. A letter? Legs. Oh. Legs? That's how it starts. Uh, legs. I can't stop thinking about last night. I'm sorry for how it ended, and I regret that you left. Suppose I had a few too many, but... Now I can't stop thinking about our time together. I especially miss the way that you took your, uh, and the way you, when I, oh my, it goes on and says some other stuff. I'm just going to keep this. Can I see it? No, no, I, I don't think it pertains to our investigation in any way. It's technically hotel property now, so staff eyes only. Ah. All right, I won't push it. So, let me think. She'll, she's going to just walk around and start, like, nudging bags with her foot to see if she can hear glass. Um, no. You would assume that wherever it is, it's probably in one of these dumpsters. I'll, I'll start, like, since I'm already in one, just start handing out 
like bags out of the dumpster to dozers who are already standing outside of it to kind of, you know, give the poke test and stuff. Okay, so you go for probably another 45 minutes. At this point, it's like three o'clock. You have another like hour and a half of sunlight. Like it is going to, you know what I mean? Like start to be getting dark. And just then when you're starting to think like, oh man, I should probably go and drive these guys back to Pembine and so on and so forth. So I'm not driving at night. You get a telltale tinkle of, uh, you know, pieces of glass moving around inside of one of these bags. Oh, I hear something. It's in the bin with the towels. Uh. <laughs> it's always the last place you look. I guess that would be the case because you wouldn't be searching anymore after you find it. That's a very astute observation, hon. <laughs> so yeah, you can bust open the bag of glass if you'd like. Yep. Um, so you would immediately notice that this is, um, there are no large chunks of glass. It is completely just disintegrated. Like there are vacuum bags that are in here because it looks like somebody had to go through and like vacuum all of this up and then like empty out the vacuum bag into this bag and then realized like, oh, we're not gonna be able to reuse this one and then just toss them away. Like it would appear as though um, three vacuum cleaners were probably ruined going over this stuff because it's just like, little pebbles of glass and they are very sharp and yeah, inconvenient for sure. <coughs> hey, Greenback. Yeah? I think somebody threw some of your books away. <coughs> what? What do you mean some of my books? It's awful dusty in here. I... Don't start that with me. That's what you call a callback. <laughs> hey, um. The gong show didn't exist back then, did it? <laughs> I don't think so, no. We're about to, to rewrite history right here. <laughs> hey, we already said that Kwanzaa exists already. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. So she, uh, she's like, all right, so. These are very sharp and very inconvenient, so let's see what we can do here. Hmm. All right, well, looks like it's just going to be gloves. And uh, in she goes. I mean, digging through it, you only find more shrapnel. Like, it does not seem to be very useful, but it is very uniform, which is really weird that everything is about the same size. Because some things can be derived simply from the state of the glass in which it's in. Um, it couldn't have been a, a physical blunt force because it would have shattered the glass in streaks. And there would be large sections, small sections. Some sort of energy has overloaded the very structure holding this glass together. A very uniform energy. Like an opera singer shattering a mirror. Yes. Vibrational. Uh, I already said, I've played a bunch of these shows already, and I've never had the glass break like that. So, like, it wasn't our instruments. Your register is nowhere near high enough to shatter glass. And no, that's not an insult. You, 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 can't, you can't sing high enough to, to shatter glass. Uh, even with uh, vibrations causing a, a, a breakup like that, uh, normally it would just crack. And maybe even crack a lot and splinter uniformly, but uh, a massive amount of energy had to be used to get it to shatter in this manner. What's also peculiar is neither I nor uh, my companion Dart here had got the glass in our eyes. We were right there. Perhaps something that we couldn't see was keeping that from happening. Uh, Dorothy is going to start like holding pieces of glass up to the sun. Uh, can she, are there, like, prints or anything on it? She's using gloves, so. No. Nothing discernible. So we know that it was something with a tremendous amount of power that did it almost instantly, right? You said there was no, like, it wasn't a splinter and then shatter. It was just a full shatter. Yes. So something pushed in at the same time, then 
Hmm. Is there somewhere we could take this to study it further? You could bring it to my place. I got plenty of room. I'm talking about places with adequate scientific facilities. I don't think so. A lot of my equipment is in Marinette. Perhaps a drive is in order tomorrow? Perhaps. Do I do I think that there is anything that she could gain from this with further investigation? Like, does she think that there's... Like, is it possible I could pick stuff up with a microscope or with anything like that? Maybe. You're not sure. You think that uh, anything is possible at this point. You do think that the majority of the information that you can gain from this has to do with the structure, like uh, Elliot already said. So a microscope can't hurt, for sure. A microscope couldn't hurt. I seriously doubt there's anywhere in Pembine I can get a microscope. Maybe there is a school. They might have one in the science department. I look at my watch. Um, You said it was already, like, around 4 in the afternoon. Um, It's probably 4.15 right now so I mean like it's going to be getting dark pretty soon here we should probably get you to you back to Pembine uh, yes I, I need to get my bike right now if I'm to make it there before dark this is uh, let time get away from me yes of course and I'll collect some pieces of glass and we can go to the school or call the school tomorrow to see if they can if they have a microscope we can use, or if they know where we can find one without having to go back to Marinette. But first, you gotta drop me off in my car. I know, I know. And, uh, Mr. Vanderbeek, what time is your show? Couple hours till I should, All right. should start around 8. Okay, so let's get you two back to Pembine, you to get your car, and you back to your hoarding house. If you'd like to ride with us, you can. Mr... Mr. Vanderbeek. Uh, no, that's all right. I'll, I'll just uh, stick put here and keep an eye on the fort, as it were. <laughs> Remember the Alamo and all that, you know. All right. All right, you guys uh, make your way around the building and uh, head to the parking lot and get into Dorothy's car and make your way to Pembine. Yeah, I make sure to grab my bike and put it in the trunk or whatever. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You pop the trunk to put it in and she moves like a backpack and she takes out a switchblade and like tucks it into the belt of her, uh, like the waistband of her pants. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like sitting there like just puffing on my pipe, like, uh, you know, (laughs) not judging anything. (laughs) Hey, Frosty. Uh, Yes. You think if I took after you and made like a chimney instead of puffing the Joes, I would become smart like you? Frankly, yes. I, I think it would help out a lot. <laughs> There's a first step to every adventure, and I reach out and pat him on the shoulder. <laughs> Keeping an incredibly straight face the whole time. Alright, then you make your way to the boarding house. Then you can get in your car, Ronnie, and head back to your house or head to the lounge or whatever it is that you're doing this evening. Um, Dorothy, I assume that you're just heading right back to the Four Seasons then? Or where do you want to go after you drop him off? Uh, she's probably going to just like do a drive around town just to look around and then uh, go back to the Four Seasons. Okay. And where are you going then, Ronnie? I gotta go tin bar. Okay. So I think we're going to fast forward some time unless there's something specific that you want to do right now, Elliot. Um, I would have just like gone up to my room. Obviously, I'm going to uh, shower and clean up and definitely set aside my uh, clothes that I wore today to get cleaned. And I take out my one other set of clothes, the, the, the other <laughs> suit. To, to put on for to, tomorrow and stuff and um, yeah I'm just going to look through the books and I uh, first pick up um, you know one of those quick uh, short stories of um, Philip K. Dick and um, and read through it it was the uh, the adjustment team we'll come back to you then alright I think around 
eight o'clock, you would, uh, Ronnie, you would notice that Dr. Greenbank walks in and, uh, do you want to go sit down at the bar near Ronnie or would you go and get a table? Because I think that, uh, Dart's band is already playing at this point. Uh, she'll probably sit at the bar. Hey, Greenbank. Come for another coffee? Uh, no. Uh, can you do a martini for me? Oh, classy dame. Sure thing. Olives? Uh, lemon. Oh, classy dame. Thank you, hon. The jazz plays, and it's good. The drink is good. I mean, it seems to be a pretty good night. And... We flash back over to Elliot, who is reading alone in his room, and Elliot, you hear the sound of snow crunching from outside of the window that you're reading near. I immediately uh, close the the book I was reading, um, Magic and Theory and Practice by Aleister Crowley, and um, head towards the, the window to look out. So you can see that the, the snow is making impressions, but you can't see anything making them. Um, I'm going to uh, immediately fumble for, um, for my glasses and um, try to wipe them off real quick and, and put, put them on. You look and you can see that they're going down the sidewalk and they go down maybe a block or two and then turn to the left and you lose them, but you can still hear the sound of that snow crunching. I am going to uh, quickly um, put on uh, shoes and um, grab some uh, flannels out of my uh, suitcase, put them on and, um, and go outside and try to follow them. You go outside and it's easy to follow these tracks. They're obvious. But one of the things that you notice is that they're they're small. They're also it looks as though it's something like walking on on all fours, but it's small and its hands are human-like, but maybe the size of a small child's. I'm going to uh, lean down next to to one of them. Um, and actually, like, uh, measure it against my own hand, and then also press my own hand into the snow um, next to it to see, like, if it makes a similar sort of indentation. You notice that the fingers of the other indentation are longer and more pointed, but they are similar. And you also notice that the night is silent at this point. Um... Yeah, as I start to notice the, like, physical features of it, I'm also going to, um, like, make another test press, um, in in there with a little bit more force. I'm going to try to gauge, like, what I can guess the weight to be of whatever this thing is. And then also, um, after I have one hand in, I'm going to reach forward and go for, like, where the next thing is and try to figure out a height. You would imagine maybe the size of a medium dog. And uh, once I have that information, I'm going to continue to follow where they're going. I'm, I'm going to hurry my pace now, like almost into a run. So you're running, and again, the night is just silent. And you can just hear your feet crunching next to these tracks that you're following, and they continue down for a few more blocks, and then they cut down into this alley, and you look and you can see that the snow is painted red. And oh dear. there's a mound sort of laying there. I, I go to the mound and start like um, wiping snow off of the mound to try to see what's underneath. Um, you notice that there is a well-laundered suit and a lot of blood, just a tremendous amount of blood. And then the next thing you know, it's summer and you're coming back through the woods and you know this area like the back of your hand and you have a shotgun over your shoulder and you have four shotgun shells inside of your pocket and you pat your pocket and you remember that those four shotgun shells are there and you can feel 
the the quail and the pheasants that are inside of the other pocket of your jacket, this large sort of back pocket, this this sort of hunting vest that you're wearing. And you look down and you notice that the gun is large in your hands. You would estimate that you're probably no more than 10 years old and you make your way and you get to this clearing and there's a rustic cabin and it seems familiar but it doesn't feel like home. And there's this bald man out front and he's chopping wood and he immediately starts making his way towards you and you can tell that he's angry with you and you're not really sure why he's angry with you. And he doesn't even say anything before he just walks over and he slaps you across the face and then grabs you by your hair and begins to drag you inside and you can feel your, your pants getting warm as, as you wet yourself and you're being dragged into this cabin and you're screaming and you're pleading and you're begging. And then you wake up incredibly cold next to this body and you're covered in a light snowfall, but your entire body is just shivering as you again are awake. And in this alley. What the hell just happened? Uh, I'm gonna flip the body over and take a look at their uh, face. Do I recognize them? You would recognize this as one of the wise guys that uh, was at the bar the other night. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I, I, uh,. Look around. Is that like, or am I still like in town? Are there houses near or anything? You're you're in Pembine. You're like right. You know what I mean? Like it's directly. You're fr- you're fucking four blocks from your boarding house at this point. Like this is incredibly close. Does anybody have their like lights on or anything? Does it look like they're up or anything? Yeah, I would say that there's a house um, a few doors down that has uh, lights on inside. Um, I'm going to run as fast as I can up to that house and, and bang on the door and shout, um, I need, I need help. There's, there's a man down out here. It looks like he's suffered incredible injuries. I need help quick. Call the police if you can. The Devil's Antlers is a Time to Die podcast network production. Find all of our shows at timetodierpg.com. If you would like to support us financially, you can pledge any amount of money at patreon.com slash timetodierpg or make a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash timetodierpg. We have merchandise at sonerdware.com slash time to die. And if you use the discount code time to die at checkout, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. The ukulele music you're hearing right now is by Charlotte Pelgin. Find her at charlottepelgin.com. Or her social media links are available in the description of this episode. She just released a brand new album, and you should definitely check it out if you like early era swing and jazz music. You can find all of our social media accounts, as well as those of our players, in the episode description. Our crew for this show was Tim Demuse, Chris Riley, Aubrey Gray, Eric Pat, and I'm Brian Bridges. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time for more of The Devil's Antlers. Uh, thank you very much. I, I noticed some uh, some goods in the the other store there. Um, I might come and uh, procure uh, procure some things later. I better say that whole sentence again, or Brian's gonna. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>